Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingbear from the IDP Read and React IDP Podcast right here at DLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. It's you, you, chap, golly, good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, yes, my good man. And of course, I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very very cool, Tom. Very cool. Um, Well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Read and React. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. It is another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. I'm Dan Myler. Fellas, we are inching our way towards uh, real fantasy football, real football, the stuff that really matters. I'm watching a lot of... Uh, preseason football because I just got to feed that itch there, Matt. Uh, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, and I know this is not really the topic of the show, but I was curious because I was asked it on the uh, Trade Addicts podcast uh, last week. Um, and how important do you think the preseason is? And for me, I think it's I think it's pretty important. I mean, obviously, we're seeing vanilla defenses, uh, we're seeing players succeed in you know ideal circumstances, things like that. But still, it's nice to see what these players can do when things do work out. Because we see plays during the regular season where, like like uh, in week one of the preseason, Ramondre Stevens' ninety-one yard touchdown run, where he had like basically an open run- runway. We see things like that in the in the regular season as well when mistakes are made on the defense. So things like that, you know, looking at these young players, seeing these these undrafted rookies trying to make the team, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff's all important to me as a dynasty player because we need to file that information away. And, you know, you, you never know when that running back five on a team is going to get called up from the practice squad. And, and you know who that is because you watch them in the preseason. So to me, I, felt like, I feel like it's still pretty important. And I'm, I'm with you. I watch as much of it as I can. Yeah, I absolutely do. The thing for me, Matt, is that we this is the only chance to see some of these guys. I'm really tuned into these rookie quarterbacks and even the second year guy, Jordan Love, when he got his chance in week one, because it's our, our first chance to see him play NFL football. And sure, it's against the second string in a lot of cases and maybe even the third string in some cases as well. But if we don't get these chances, like we didn't, actually, 2020 reminded me how much the preseason matters because we didn't have those chances to see those young players play until it, it really counted. And that affected our dynasty values going into last season. This year, Ryan, we are getting to see these guys. So so these young players specifically, they're really moving up and down in, in rookie drafts, in in uh, startup ADP. If you have anything happening late, a late rookie draft, or, or you're just starting up a league, values have changed significantly already based on this preseason action. Absolutely. Just just in the past couple of weeks, you're totally right. And I, I agree with Matt. I, I do think it's still important. Although at the same time, I think, you know, it's always a copycat league. And a couple of years ago, I guess Sean McVay basically began sitting his, you know, all key players from all preseason action, not just uh, maybe not just the first game or the last game. And we're seeing a lot of other teams do that as well. Uh, sit, you know, sit 
every basically everybody we think we care about is often sitting. So that does help us to dig a little bit deeper. And I want to see Kyle Pitts, but it's just not going to happen until week one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's crazy. Cause he is one of those rookies, you know, he's one of the guys that are young and we want to see, we expect to see, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. What is fun though, because of social media and because of all the cameras that are on the sidelines of all these practices and these joint practices, especially we do get glimpses here and there. You, you get to see that one route that pits got open or, or that one route that, uh, that, that was thrown perfectly by one of these rookie quarterbacks. And that's enough to generate the buzz that you need, even if they're not playing uh, a lot of snaps in these preseason games. And we see, uh, we see the, like a dichotomy a little bit too. Like we saw Patrick Mahomes play almost the whole first half, right? Uh, so it's interesting to see how these teams are operating. Some of the teams are just going forward and, and playing, playing their first string. Some of them aren't. Oh, that's risky stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I seem to be on the other side of the coin when it comes <laughs> to those vets, those MVP caliber players. We, we just let them chill on the sideline and wait for week one. We know what we have with them, especially as dynasty players, right? Because we, we invested a lot this offseason to trade for Mahomes or to add Aaron Rodgers. We don't want to see him go down in the in the preseason. Um, so we got a few weeks left, and we always do our our preseason picks. Our, our, we, we try to... Um, preview the season, make our selections for who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to be, be, make the biggest rookie impact. That's the last show before the season kicks off. So we really have two shows left. And we, we wanted to touch on as many pertinent fantasy players, dynasty players, young players, as we could over the next couple of weeks before we kick off the season. We thought, what better way to do that than another rookie draft review? We can start in 2019 this week. We'll do a 2021 next week, and we'll talk all, all these second and third year players, the guys that we expect to take the big leap and be a big part of our dynasty rosters moving forward. Let's talk about all of them. We're going to do it as a mock draft. We'll try to get at least two rounds in and probably three if we can. Talk about all the pertinent players, all the players that matter still out of that 2019 class. We drew for picks. I drew the first pick, followed by Matt. And then uh, Ryan, and we're just going to go one, two, three, one, two, three. Um, I want to start at the top of the draft with an easy one. We're, we decided we decided we might as well do super flex so we can make these uh, make these rookies matter uh, or make the quarterbacks matter. We might as well um, um, rotate through draft picks. We'll go Dan, Matt, Ryan, Dan, Matt, Ryan, so we don't have back to back picks. As well, I'm going to start at the top with the I think the easiest pick in the draft, guys. Uh, the clear 101, in my opinion, it's Kyler Murray. Um, since we're doing super flex, it'd be fun to find out where Kyler Murray would be in this exercise if we were doing single quarterback, because I think it would be pretty high. There are a lot of big names, of course. Uh, just a couple of years ago, in 2019, he was the top rookie in ADP. He was expected to go number one in most rookie drafts, and did in most as well. Uh, so Kyler Murray, he's got all the weapons. We're we're trying to do this from this point forward. We're not. We're not counting last year or rookie season stats, guys. Kyler Murray, his best football is in front of him. And until he was hurt last year, he was the quarterback one in fantasy points, no matter your scoring system. So a guy that with the ultimate upside, a guy that um, is in an offense that we like with weapons that we like, it'd be difficult, Matt, to pick anybody other than Kyler Murray at one. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's locked in as the 101 pretty easily. Uh, obviously, they've upgraded the offense around him, so uh, excited to see what he and especially Rondale Moore are going to do together this season. Um, and I feel like you set me up a little bit because I think there's an obvious 102 as, as well, but you also know that I don't really care for this player. <laughs> So I, I guess I'll go ahead and take him here. Since really? since it is super flex, uh, I'll go ahead and take Josh Allen at 102. Uh, not not the player that I want to take, but I think it's the right player, obviously, because of the format. Matt, we're, we're going to try to keep it to the 2019 class, though. Oh, did I, is, that, is he 2020? Did I mess up? He's 2018. No, oh, my gosh. He's 18. Oh, well, that makes things super easy. Then. I thought I looked it up and it said 2019 on his... Uh, <laughs> Okay, your your list might be a tad off. Oh, I better go back and look at that. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the only one from eighteen that you had on your list. But uh, it but, is. Uh, it, you know, if we're gonna if if we're gonna allow. Hold on, um, I'm double classes, checking right now because I'm not sure I believe and you go guys. With Mahomes, huh? <laughs> Matt Matt wants Tom Brady next. You're right. Is that okay? You're right. <laughs> it is. Uh, I don't know why he showed up on. I, that's what I get for using Wikipedia, I guess. <laughs> Uh, well, this makes on, it Matt, this ma- this makes it especially easy then because I'm going to go ahead and take DK Metcalf, who is the the player that I really wanted to take here. Uh, we've seen what he can do with Russell Wilson on the field, uh, and to me, he's still. I, I know he's not everybody's wide receiver one in dynasty. I think most people still have Justin Jefferson at, at that spot, um, or maybe one of the veterans. But for me, DK Metcalf still represents the best intersection of talent, opportunity, and quarterback situation, uh, and offers the highest upside of any wide receiver in the league if he ever hits that full potential so uh Metcalf for me at 102 yeah he's uh he's going to be high on everybody's list if we're redoing a 2019 draft Ryan if you had picks one and two what order would they be I certainly would have taken Kyler first I think that was that was the easy one I agree with you Dan easiest pick of the draft part of that is because the lack of uh lack of competition at that quarterback spot for Kyler Uh, a pretty significant drop off after him uh, at the quarterback spot, looking at at the class as a whole, I, I really think it's it's become a wide receiver class. Uh, that's where the strength is. Um, I think two and three is certainly debatable. Uh, so I, I would have had DK Metcalf third. Uh, I'll take AJ Brown uh, with the third pick instead. But uh, again, I think those two guys are are pretty much a toss up. So what are your thoughts on Brown? Now that Julio Jones is in town, we're expecting him to get a big share of that passing game as well. Of course, Corey Davis leaves, and that, that's going to open up some targets for sure. We also lost Jonu Smith in that offense, Ryan. It's going to be the A.J. Brown-Julio Jones show, but is there is there any concern, I guess, or any red flags that make you think, hey, maybe A.J. Brown might have to take the back seat for a year, maybe two, behind Julio Jones? Uh, no, not really. I don't, I don't think at this point, I don't think we can even expect a, a full season necessarily out of Julio Jones. And if, if there's a concern, maybe, maybe even nitpicking, it would be, uh, the, the change in offensive coordinator and, and what impact that will have. I do still think even with the success we saw from, from Brown, from Ryan Tannehill last year, I still think this team wants to be, uh, the, the offense wants to, build around Derrick Henry. So maybe this is the last year of that. We'll see how uh, how his next year or two goes. But uh, regarding Julio, no concerns on, on A.J. Brown for me. And, and for me, the tiebreaker between those two is still the quarterback. I know Ryan Tannehill is – 
kind of come into his own the last couple of years. Uh, but that was under Arthur Smith. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go back to the Miami Ryan Tannehill, but if I, I mean, I'm going to take Russell Wilson from a quarterback perspective uh, over Ryan Tannehill pretty much every time. And I think both of them have a little bit of those volume concerns. They're both in those run run heavy offenses, right? So that's why I kind of go towards DK. Yeah, yeah, and w- and what flips me over to AJ Brown is in the in the two run heavy offenses, th- the Titans are just better at it, and they're better at play action. They they can sneak those wide receivers behind the linebackers because they're they're so keyed in on Derrick Henry and that power running game that those are easy pitch and catch situations for Tannehill for AJ Brown, and I think for Julio Jones now too when he's healthy. I think there is reason to to think oh maybe he loses a couple of couple of opportunities a game but that's not going to take away enough from AJ Brown to think that he wouldn't be the top wide receiver in this class and and potentially even guys the top wide receiver in fantasy football as quickly as this season yeah I think the other important thing that we really should should kind of look at with each of these picks today is is the previous ADP rookie ADP from two years ago of course Kyler Murray was the 101 at that point as well Uh, Both A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf were in that mid to late first round range. Uh, D.K. was eighth overall. A.J. Brown was ninth overall. All of this data comes from actual Superflex rookie drafts held on my fantasy league. And just thinking back, you know, D.K. Metcalf fell a little bit further than we thought he would to the late second round. A.J. Brown, there were concerns about his landing spot in Tennessee. Again, that run heavy offense and and both of them have... uh, have definitely overcome and, and kind of answered any questions that we might have had about them. Yeah, it's really impressive. There are probably a half a dozen, maybe eight or nine wide receivers that you can make a very strong case for being the wide receiver one overall in fantasy, and two of them came out of the same college in the same draft, and, and now we're talking about them out of this 2019 NFL draft class. They're, they land at two and three in this Superflex mock draft. Let's move on to the fourth pick, guys. You, you mentioned, Ryan, that they were the second and third wide receivers, Metcalf and Brown, that were selected in, in rookie drafts back a couple years ago. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper for the fourth pick. I'm going to go with wide receiver 13. That's Terry McLaurin. There's, there's a handful of guys that are worthy of talking about here at four. I think there's a, ta- a small tear break, at least, when it comes to what, what we're uh, – what what are our options here at the 104? I'm going to stick to it with wide receiver because those guys have a longer shelf life. We are playing this game from here on out. The running backs that are available are enticing, of course, but they already have two years of tread off the tires. They, they neither one of them that the the two that I would consider anyway are have have ideal situations, ideal offenses, get all the snaps, all those things. Terry McLaurin, on the other hand. We could see him taking a step forward this year based on what he did in the last two years, the quarterback upgrade, the running game that they have there in Washington. A lot of good things happening in Washington right now, and McLaurin's going to be a big, big part of it. I really like him with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, he's he's going to soar past 100 targets. He should flirt with 80-plus, 90-plus catches this year, and, and I think he has a chance for double-digit touchdowns. He's underrated in the among wide receivers overall, especially in Dynasty, because he we, we kind of forget that he is so young. He came out of this 2019 class. I really like McLaurin. I, I think he fits right here at the 104. That's where I had him ranked, Matt. Yeah, I love that pick. That would have been my clear for as well. Uh, can't wait to see what he does with an actual quarterback back there. And I mean, honestly, if Fitzpatrick stumbles, then Heineke has looked pretty good too. Uh, so uh, excited about his future 
there in Washington. My next pick is going to, I'm going to break the seal on running back. He was the running back two this time, uh, two years ago in rookie ADP, but he's the running back one for me in this class now. And that's Miles Sanders. Uh, I think the hate has gotten too far uh, on him. He's down in the late teens, maybe even like running back 18, 19, something like that uh, in our most recent uh, ADP from our mock drafts. Um, and, uh, he's the clear, uh, he's clearly ahead of guys like, uh, I don't want to, I don't think I'm really spoiling it here, but clearly, clearly ahead of the other running backs in this class for me at this point, uh, not necessarily when you look at what the community thinks of the other two backs, I think we'll be talking about here pretty soon. Uh, but for me, uh, easily the one, uh, and, this season with a with a rushing quarterback, we're certainly concerned with 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 passing volume that might go to him. Boston Scott is still there. They drafted Kenny Gainwell as well, and and people like him. Uh, and he's he's probably the best pass catcher in in this class in the twenty twenty one class, to be honest with you. But I really think all of those guys are going to be playing second fiddle to Miles Sanders uh, when it all is said and done. Ryan, it's interesting because Sanders, who who certainly fits in in this range. He's he's kind of moved down dynasty rankings and and down ADP in recent months and even going back to last year where he certainly had his struggles uh, along with the rest of the offense but the skill set is still the same he still profiles as that guy that has three down potential and can be on the field all the time I don't necessarily know if that works with this coaching staff and what they're going to want to do what is your take on Sanders first of all falling to to number five in this draft right now where where he kind of slots in and then secondly how he profiles moving forward yeah I did have Sanders as the RB1 from this group as well I had him uh, one spot lower so I'll, I'll get my fifth guy here in in just a moment but uh, I agree with a lot of what Matt said there that I still like Sanders but there's there is some question again about this coaching staff and um, I mean, we hear it every off season. Uh, I, I guess I guess it's only only been two off seasons now, but this is the the third year in a row that we're worried about Sanders' role as as a potential three down back. And will they use Boston Scott? Will they bring in uh, another pass catcher? And the the Eagles keep bringing in bodies, but it, it has been Sanders who's been on the field. So I don't think this team has the luxury of of taking him off the field, honestly, because I think they're they're lacking so much talent in that offense from top to bottom that if they have a guy who can make plays like I believe Miles Sanders can, they they've got to use him. They've got to rely on him. And he's the only three down back on the roster, in my opinion. You can throw Jordan Howard in there if you want as a as the early down guy, but I just don't think they're going to do that on a regular basis. Maybe he loses some gold line touches to him or something like that, short yarded situations. But I just don't see any of those pass catching backs like Gainwell or Scott, uh, you know, being able to do what Sanders can do. Uh, between the tackles. So uh, I think he's locked in. It's a it's a really interesting position that he's in because in, in the most recent DLF ADP, Sanders comes in at running back 19, and you might say, wow, that, that seems like a value because he, he seems like a guy with running back one potential, and I, I think that still exists with him. You can get him at, at low end, mid to low end running back two prices, but the guys around him, Travis Etienne and Javante Williams, the two rookies right in front of him. And then the other two guys out of this class that we'll be talking about soon at running back 20 and 21 are David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. So so he's slid down along with these other running backs. And we've seen a lot of these, these young guys, these rookies, Ryan, come into the league and, and leapfrog him. But he's shown so much on the field when he is healthy and when, when things are going right for the Eagles that it feels like there could be a value here. 
I think part of it is the way dynasty players handle the running back position in general. We draft these players uh, often in the first round of rookie drafts. Uh, We're taking shots on them throughout rookie drafts with the hopes that they prove to be elite assets and and elite producers. And that was the hope for Sanders. I mean, I, I believe he got as high as the top five dynasty running back, according to our ADP. But then now, you know, now just two years in, as a community, we've decided he's not elite. He's not the next saying he's not the next uh, McCaffrey or Barkley or, uh, or or Dalvin Cook. So now he becomes just another guy. And if I can, uh, if I can trade that in and take a shot that Travis Etienne or Javante Williams is is that next elite running back, then I would do that. Yeah, it seems like seems like a nice value from one mindset. Seems like there could be an opportunity to get out. Interesting, according to 4 for 4, which compiles ADP uh, from multiple sites, redraft ADP, he also slots in at running back 19. So you're getting market value for if you're just looking at the 2021 season as well. We need to move on to the sixth pick, Ryan. Who do you have here? Uh, as I mentioned, I'm getting getting my fifth-ranked player here in this class, uh, and I'll, I'll take another wide receiver. I'll go with Deontay Johnson here. Uh, like I said, I think this has become a wide receiver draft. We've got Brown, Metcalf, McLaurin, and now Deontay Johnson in the top six. And uh, you know, this is not quite a this is not quite a rookie draft rookie draft do over or redo because of exactly what you said, Dan. We're we're taking into account what they've what these players have done for two years. But from a running back position, we're we're only really expecting maybe four years of production. We're two years in, so uh, that that's going to hurt the the value of these players in this exercise that we're doing, but it's also realistic and and it works. And whether you're talking about trade value in existing leagues or a, a dynasty startup, I think you know I think Deontay Johnson and Miles Sanders would go in the in the same range in in a current startup. Yeah, it feels that way. Johnson back in 2019 was. 27th overall in ADP, the wide receiver 10. So if you're one of those guys or gals in your dynasty rookie draft that grabbed Johnson in the third round, you can pat yourself on the back because he's another guy where the arrow is pointing up. We're expecting bigger things in 2021 than we've even seen to this point. And, and maybe even beyond that, once once Juju moves on, we'll see what happens with the quarterback position. There are things to be excited about with DJ. Deontay Johnson, both as a possession guy underneath to move the chains and potentially even a, a downfield threat if Juju were to move on in free agency next year. So he fits in right here at number six in the first round. I would have taken Deontay Johnson where you would have, Ryan. My next guy after Johnson is TJ Hawkinson. I'm, I'm going to sidestep the running backs once again. And I think it's more, I, I kind of talked about it with the McLaurin pick. I'm just... I'm just not that excited about having a third-year running back. Not like we were two years ago when we were picking Miles Sanders and some of those other running backs because you get their entire rookie contract and, and they're they're on their way up. At this point, some of these running backs, we kind of think think we know what we have with these guys. We, when it comes to Jacobs, he, he's not necessarily the pass catcher. We don't see him on the field in those situations. Miles Sanders has, has been banged up a little bit, and David Montgomery, although he had the big end of his season – there are red flags there as well. Feels like the pass catchers have the longer shelf life and they they have the bigger upside at this point in their career. So if we're starting from this point on, of all these players, it feels like TJ Hawkinson has the highest highest ceiling of all these players from where he is right now. We all expect 
the the burst this year, him to step forward and have that breakout. Uh, I know the offense, there are question marks with the quarterback and, and the play caller and all those things, other weapons on the team. But Hawkinson is the best pass catcher on that team. He should be targeted early and often. There's the potential for him to be to to really take a make that breakout and be the biggest part of that offense, both in the middle of the field and in the red zone. So Hawkinson, I I had at sixth overall behind Deontay Johnson at fifth. I'm happy to get him at seven right here. Yeah, and I almost took Hawkinson there at five, to be honest with you. It was kind of a coin flip for me. Uh, so that's a fantastic pick. He's the number one option on this te- on their team, and we know that, that gives him a good shot at being a, a top five to six tight end in 2021, if not higher than that, based on the volume he should receive. I'm actually going to go with uh, the opposite in terms of volume at the same position, though. I'm going to take Noah Fant here. To me, he's the, the, the clear next option. Um, I think you could go with one of the other running backs like we discussed, but just I've never really been that high on Jacobs, who was, I think, the running back one in this class uh, this time two years ago when we were doing right, uh, rookie drafts. But Fant, to me, uh, has improved every year. He's still going to be behind Judy and, and Cortland Sutton, in my opinion. There's still a quarterback uh, situation that we have to have to monitor for him. Uh, but at this point, like Ryan said, going forward, he's he's got those first two years under his belt, and we often see these tight ends break out in year three. So Fant here at 108 seems like a pretty easy choice. Yeah, that's a that's that's a good pick. I like that. Hawkinson was the seventh pick in ADP back in 2019 in rookie drafts. Fant, however, fell a little bit farther. You remember back that year, he was a fringe first rounder. He'd go between 10 and about 14. Came in average of uh, ADP of, of 10 overall was Noah Fant. So he's moved up a couple spots. Hawkinson, Ryan, has stayed the course, really. He's number seven in this exercise. He probably could fit in anywhere between five and seven. Um, what are your thoughts on these two tight ends as a whole? This, this group was highly anticipated coming out of Iowa, and we expected big things. They haven't really reached that level yet, but it seems fair to say that they're both on the cusp. For sure. Yeah, I mean, neither have, have had that breakout year yet, although both, I think, have been impressive in, in spurts, uh, and especially, obviously, Hawkinson with this situation this year, as, as you both said, has a chance to be really the go-to option in that uh, Detroit Lions offense. So uh, it seems like everybody is expecting a Hawkinson breakout this year, being valued uh, ahead of Mark Andrews and and players like that who we have seen uh, produce a little bit more. So uh, definitely no issue with with the Hawkinson or Fant pick. I think those two were the next two guys. and it feels like a little bit of a tear break after those two. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the, the the rest of the names, and I'm I'm not excited to grab any of them. Um, it, it does it, it takes me back to rookie drafts and, and kind of general rookie draft strategy thinking. We draft those running backs hoping to hit, as I said earlier. But usually that's not what happens, right? Usually either they're just a guy or, or we totally miss. And uh, I mean, may, maybe the go to strategy is take your wide receivers or take really your best player available. And uh, even if you have to pay up and trade for those elite running backs, uh, then do that once you actually see them produce. Uh, I don't know. This is, this is challenging me a little bit, but I am going to go with a running back here. Uh, I think David Montgomery is the best guy available, best guy left. Um, At this point, I think maybe he gives us two more years of production as that, uh, you know, that mid range RB two and, and, of course, we saw him uh, perform even better than that last year. I, I don't think we can count on RB1 seasons from him 
uh, moving forward. But, you know, that's that's kind of the reality of where we are, uh, even just uh, eight or nine picks into this draft. Montgomery a couple of years ago, Ryan, was all over the board when it came to mm-hmm. rookie drafts. You'd see him go real high in one and fall all the way to the bottom of the first round in another one because we just weren't sure what we had in the Bears running back and, and that offense. And it seemed like there he was going to be the guy. But in his rookie year, he shared time with Cohen and, and he was kind of mixed in in the passing game. Uh, getting a smaller chunk of the pie than Cohen, of course. And then after Cohen went down in his second year, that's when we saw the leap. We, we saw his potential as a pass catcher, and that's what made him a league winner. He was the guy that carried a lot of us as dynasty managers to a championship. The thing is, Cohen, while he's still hurt, he is expected back at some point. So we, we have to weigh that a little bit. It's interesting that you went Montgomery over Josh Jacobs, who we, who we know doesn't have that potential to be the pass catcher. Uh, those two tear in together for me. I, I was just kind of curious uh, why you took David Montgomery over Jacobs. Yeah, again, uh, even though it's uh, basically a, sh- a small sample size at the end of last year, we have seen it. We've seen him get the targets and play that role. I, I do think the the moves that the Bears made this offseason, both uh, drafting uh, drafting Justin Fields, that rushing quarterback, Matt was talking about that with the Eagles, Miles Sanders, and, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, that does not help. Bring in the veteran Damian Williams does not help either. So if even if uh, Tariq Cohen can't get healthy or stay healthy, uh, Williams is, is still there looming as competition as well. So uh, I think both of those hurt Montgomery, uh, but I, I still see more PPR upside with him versus Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I went back and forth between Montgomery and Jacobs, which one belongs on top. According to redraft ADP, David Montgomery comes in at running back 17, while Jacobs is down there at running back 20. So particularly in these PPR leagues, which we are assuming, of course, uh, in this exercise, it it seems like that lack of of pass catching really affects Jacobs' value. So he's going to slide down the board in an exercise like this. I'm... I went, as I said, I went back and forth. I thought about going to a different position, but the highest guy on my board right now is Josh Jacobs. Uh, no matter what you say about his his PPR, the negative effects of not being a big PPR back, he still is the goal line back. He still gets regular touches, expected to get, you know, in that 18 to 22 touches per game, mostly on the ground, and, and certainly get his opportunities around the goal line. If that's if that's the case and he holds that role for the next two, three seasons there in Las Vegas, there is value there. And to get him at number 10, when just a couple of years ago, he was the top running back off the board at number two overall, we've seen him finish as a low end running back one, high end running back two. He's at spurts as a high end running back one. If he's getting those opportunities at the goal line, it seems like the right place for him to go. This is a big tier. I think you could go a lot of different ways, but I'll take Jacobs. Yeah, he would. He would have been. I, there's two players I would I would take ahead of him, but I I understand the pick here. You know, I think he's the last really running back in this class that we necessarily care about. There's a couple more that are interesting, at least for this season. Um, but I have two wide receivers that I was considering here, and I'm happy to take 
uh, one of those two. I'm going to go with Debo Samuel, who has fallen off quite a bit, uh, especially with all of the hype around Brandon Ayuk and what he did in his rookie season. However, I just wanted to point out that if, you, if we go back to 2019 uh, and the same number of games started, 11 games for both Ayuk and Debo in their rookie seasons, Debo actually had more yardage, slightly more yardage, about 50 more yards or so than uh, Brandon Ayuk. And if he comes back in his healthy, I think he has a hamstring now. So that's certainly a concern. Um, but I think uh, him being able to do what he did, uh, 57 catches, 800 yards, uh, and a few touchdowns there. And that was in a season where J- George Kittle actually was healthy for the majority of the season. So he did it with the the primary pass catcher in that offense, whereas IU kind of broke out when everybody else was was uh, was hurt or out of out of out of the lineup, right? So uh, to me, these two, both Debo and Brandon Ayuk, should be a little bit closer than their current ADP really says. Uh, and you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Debo came close or even outproduced Ayuk in twenty twenty one. You know, assuming health for both uh, both players. I think if we were playing Madden football and we could turn injuries off, uh, Debo Samuel would have would have gone a lot higher in this draft and, and would <laughs> yeah. be valued would be valued a lot higher in in dynasty in general. But I mean, you said he's already dealing with a hamstring issue. Like I hate it because I, I like the player. He just can't stay on the field, and that's why he's here. That's why he's available here late in the first round. Um, that's why he honestly. That's why he went late in the first round. Uh, two years ago, and all he's done is is prove those concerns true, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's the reason I went with Josh Jacobs over Debo, the, the injury concerns, and they, they date back all the way to his college career. And as you said, that was the reason he slipped in drafts then. Honestly, if, if Debo was healthy it, or didn't have that injury bug label, we could see him going in that Deontay Johnson range in an, in an exercise like this. But the injury is what pushes him down. Of course, Ayuk being there, a similar player, that pushes him down a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I want to fall in love with the player. I want to be, be a Debo backer and have him on all my rosters, but it's just maddening to try to manage him on your roster because you're constantly sliding him into that injured spot or, or, or unsure if he's going to play that week and, and not sure if you can rely on him, even as a wide receiver three, to be cons- to be completely honest, he should be a fringe wide receiver one, wide receiver two every single week. And now we're we're just unsure if he'll he'll play a whole game. And th- those kind of players are are really hard to have on your roster. Ryan, you have the 12th and final pick in the first round of this 2019 rookie draft review. Who's going to round out round one? I think it's going to be Daryl Henderson here. Um, And again, kind of treating him a little bit like these rookie running backs where we have some unknown, uh, maybe some bigger upside in that he's he's got this job for this year, at least uh, it would seem. And, And we'll see if he can literally take that and run with it and hold that job. And obviously what happens with Cam Akers a year from now, but I actually had Henderson ranked uh, above Josh Jacobs and and Debo Samuel for this exercise. So I'll, I'll take him here at the 12th pick. Yeah. And and that surrounds the the offense. Of course, we we like that Rams offense more than we like that 
Raiders offense. We like the quarterback in L.A. a little bit more as well, and we probably like the coaching staff and the play caller a little bit more as well. The thing with Henderson is he has a little bit of an injury history, Ryan, as well. He disappointed, of course, as a rookie. Of course, Gurley was still there in 2019. In 2020, he played a lot better as the second fiddle and the guy who had to fill in. He even had games when when he, he was forced to be the RB1 and played well until he got hurt. So there's a little bit of an injury concern with Henderson as well. He certainly skyrocketed up this draft over the last month or so since the injury. It's it's interesting because he's still on his rookie contract, of course, and, and he's in a nice offense and all those good things. But he's a player that could skyrocket and could completely plummet from this, this bottom spot in the first round. Yeah, we uh, we did a whole show about uh, guys like that a, a few weeks ago. You know, they they could be top five or they could have no value a year from now. And Henderson is, is certainly one of those. At this point in the draft, looking at the the options that are left, uh, I, I would wanted to take a shot on that upside. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Certainly fits in right here around the twelfth pick of this twenty nineteen rookie draft. Review. Before we move on to round two, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against professional players, you can explore unique, fun, easy to play games like More or Less, Knockout Kings, Eagle Eye, Gold Rush, or Touchdown Dance. Play any of the major sports. We got NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, as well as USC, uh, soccer, golf, NASCAR, and various college sports without competing against all those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a full year of DLF premium for free. On top of that, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fight will match the display deposit 100% doubling your initial funds. Simply log on to dynastyleaguefootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight and follow the instructions to get started today and you'll get that DLF premium account for free. Guys, we just finished up round one of our 2019 rookie draft review. I started things off with Kyler Murray, then Matt went with DK Metcalf, followed by Ryan taking A.J. Brown. The rest of round one went Terry McLaurin, Miles Sanders, Deontay Johnson, T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Debo Samuel, and Daryl Henderson. We're going to fly through round two, pick up the speed just a little bit. I think it's time, since I let off round one with a quarterback, I think I'll do the same in round two. I'm going to take Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. And you know, really, these guys are, are players that have played two years. And we, Daniel Jones have been the, a little bit the story of two seasons. We saw the, the, the slow-rising rookie in year one. Towards the end of the season, we started to see some of that potential. Maybe this guy can take that next step forward in year two. It simply didn't happen. He didn't have an offensive line. The weapons were shaky at best. And year two didn't go his way. Lots of turnovers. Of course, all the jokes about his fumbling and not being able to hold on to the football in the pocket. Those are all serious concerns at this point. But the team is invested in Daniel Jones. They're, it's his team right now in year three. Additions on the offensive side of the football. They tried to imp- improve that offensive line. I'm not sure that they accomplished that. They tried to in- improve his weapons. 
Uh, it seems like they have bigger names, that's for sure. They, they have a first-round rookie wide receiver. They added Kenny Galladay in free agency. And Saquon Barkley is healthy once again. So everything lines up for him to take a step forward and not be this low-end quarterback, too. This is super flex, and to get a starting quarterback at pick 13 feels like a, the, the right pick, a pretty easy pick to me. But there is definitely a downsize when it comes to Jones. He's, he, as I said, struggled throughout last year. Turnovers are a big problem. This coaching staff is not entrenched in New York, and if there's a change there, there could be an easy change to make at quarterback as well. So Daniel Jones, while he feels good to get at 13 because you're getting a super flex starting quarterback in the NFL, it's, it's, it's certainly on shaky ground and not a guy that you can count on for the long term. Yeah, I'm glad you did it because if you didn't, then I was going to have to do it, and <laughs> I don't want him anywhere, anywhere near my fantasy teams. I just if he doesn't do it this year, like you said, Dan, make or break season, then you have to think that they're going to think at least think about moving on. I mean, maybe Gettleman is that stubborn; and he just is going to force it until this pick works out. But uh, you know, so this is another pick that who has, has whose value is so volatile right now. You know, if he does come out and have a good season, despite the questions we see with that Giants team right now, uh, then you know he's going to he's going to skyrocket up the ranks. We have these older quarterbacks that are you know just getting older, so it's it's definitely conce- conceivable with a good season he could be up in the top twelve to fifteen at the quarterback position, and we know how valuable that is in Superflex. Um, but I'm going to go back to wide receiver and uh, I'm going to take. Uh, someone who just keeps sucking me in, and he had a great game last night on uh, <laughs> on uh, 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 against the Cardinals. Is that who they were? Who the Chiefs were playing? I'm going to take Mecole Hardman here. He showed some great concentration on that catch in the end zone. Uh, caught it, you know, basically pulled the thing off of the turf, uh, shoestring catch there. Uh, so things like that, I think, show that he's going to be a little bit more improved this season. Hopefully, especially in terms of his catch percentage, that's always been a big issue with him: his concentration. Uh, uh, you know, making boneheaded plays. So hopefully, with another yet another season under off season under his belt, a full off season of practice, meshing with that offense, and, and really moving up to be the wide receiver too, uh, at least from what we assume on the depth chart at this point. Uh, Hardman is the is the pick here for me, just because of the offense he played in, and and hopefully the jump he'll take here in year three. Yeah, I completely understand that because that upside exists. But man, there's so many of those boneheaded plays or those 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 opportunities that you think he should be getting in in the regular season, late last season, and he's not even on the field and you're scratching your head saying, okay, what does this guy have to do? Apparently he's not picking things up. And those frustrations pushed pushed him down my list a little bit. And I, I kind of thought I was going to be the highest one of any of us. Uh, and I wouldn't have had him for, for three or four picks, but to be honest with you, there, there's a big group here, and th- these guys could be taken in any order, really. Ryan, I'm wondering your thoughts on Mecole Hardman, where you had him, and how you feel about him a- on your dynasty rosters at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm just not very confident in him anymore. Uh, I mean, all all off season, you know, we heard that he was the wide receiver too, that he was going to get his chance. Sammy Watkins was gone, uh, etc. And and then we we get the first look at them, and it's it's still Demarcus Robinson, who's you know he, he's just an average talent as well. So he's still playing ahead of uh, ahead of Hardman. We'll see what happens in the regular season, but uh, he, he's a player I missed on for sure because I know I was investing uh, back in 2019. Uh, I, I had him uh, at 21 overall, so it would have been a few more picks before I grabbed him as well. 
Um, I will take Irv Smith here uh, at oh, dirty dog <laughs> at two point oh three. Uh, he's the next guy on my list, already being valued as a tight end one in our dynasty ADP. Uh, just despite not having that starter job uh, in, in the past two years, so excited to see what he can do with Kyle Rudolph out of the way. Oh, that that one really hurts. I went back and forth between Daniel Jones and Irv Smith Jr. with my last pick, and and when Matt went Miko Hardman, I I thought, man, maybe Ryan will go a different direction. Not not to be the case. Uh, you left me on a tear break, honestly, a little bit to me after Daniel Jones and Irv Smith. There's there's a little bit of a gap between the next group. They all seem about the same, I guess. I'll take the highest guy in current ADP. That's Damian Harris, the running back from the Patriots. And it's not a pick that I'm in love with. He's kind of lumped in with a couple other running backs, uh, another wide receiver, and a a quarterback option as well. And and none of them seem like a guy you can just put in your starting lineup. Damian Harris or any of these options that we're going to talk about here next are all guys we have to see how the beginning of 2021 goes. Now, Harris started things off well early in this preseason. It looks like he's the lead back, but we all know how that goes in New England. I, I still, I'm still, i still carrying a torch a little bit for Damian Harris and his upside that we, we all thought he had back in 2019 when he was going off the board in the middle to late part of the second round. He had an ADP of 23, RB6, and I liked grabbing him there. It's weird to think that his ADP in, in these rookie drafts or, or his value has gone up in these two years because he hasn't really had that breakout. He hasn't been all that useful to dynasty managers, but it feels like it's make or break and it's right around the corner if it's going to happen for Damian Harris. So I guess I'll take him here at 16. Yeah, we are not in uh, in sync today, fellas. <laughs> Irv, Irv, Irv Smith up. was farther down. Damian Harris was definitely far. I have like three or four players ahead of ahead of both of them. So so one of us is is incorrect, I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess okay. I guess All maybe right. who we got at I guess it's then. maybe me. Uh, but and there's still two wide receivers here. I want the one I want to take uh, is probably not the smarter play. Um, and hopefully he makes it back to me. I kind of kind of don't think so. Um, but I will take Marquise Brown here. Uh, he was the wide receiver one in terms of the, how this draft shook out. Obviously, it didn't really work out that way uh, in terms of the way fantasy managers uh, uh, broke it down as he was, I think, a late first, early second round pick in, in, in actually 2019 rookie drafts. But, you know, I, I kind of see, I kind of feel like things are coming together for him, and mo- mostly in the fact that pieces around him are falling apart. I know we still have quite a ways until week one but we've seen Rashad Bateman go down with an injury we saw Mark Andrews now somehow having a dehydration issue like that seems like something coaches should be on top of um uh, and he's a type one diabetic type one diabetic I believe so that could have some kind of long-term effects we really don't know just yet uh so Marquise Brown it seems to be like the sole survivor again in this passing offense and we know it's going to be a low passing volume offense uh but you know over the second half of the season he had close to a 30 percent market share uh, and if these two players are going to miss time around him, uh, then, you know, he could start off with a hot streak at the beginning of the season and really kind of increases his dynasty value. I think long-term, it's still a question mark. I think Rashad Bateman is more a more versatile receiver than he is. And once he gets healthy, uh, we may see him uh, kind of move to the forefront and volume become really, really become an issue for Marquise Brown. But I think at this point in the draft, uh, in our exercise here, it makes sense to go ahead and take a shot on, you know, what is at least going to be a wide receiver one for their team uh, for probably the early part of at least the 2021 season. Ryan, that puts you on the clock at the 206. Who you got here? 
Uh, yeah, this one doesn't feel great, uh, but I'll go with Miles Gaskin, uh, the Dolphins uh, starting running back, at least for this season, or at least to start the season, uh, really was not a, a consideration at all back in 2019. He was the 51st uh, player drafted in our rookie ADP, and uh, here he is now in, in the mid-second round. Certainly had an impressive season last year, and uh, outside of Malcolm Brown and and a, a late round rookie, the Dolphins didn't really do anything to to challenge him. So I, 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 we might see a little bit of a committee, but I certainly think Gaskin's the best uh, best piece of that backfield right now. Yeah, the problem with Gaskin, of course, is the recent news that it is going to be a committee. Of course, in week two of the preseason, that first series was all Gaskin. He got a lot of opportunities, made made the most of them. He certainly looks like the best running back there in Miami. But I think I can speak for most of the dynasty community when I say the expectation is that Gaskin is once again the one-year guy. We're, we're not expecting long-term value. He's certainly a guy that you can plug into your lineup if you're a contender and you can use him this year. But expecting anything beyond 2021 is, is probably a mistake. I'm up at tw- the 207. We're halfway through the second round and and. A lot of the same names when I took Damian Harris above the, the rest of them are, are still lurking there, along with Marquise Brown and Miles Gaskin. They're all they're all clobbered together here. I'm just I guess I'm going to take the quarterback. I'll take Drew Locke. Um, I think he's going to win that job in Denver. I, I watched the Denver Seattle game. They, they both played well. They both checked it down quite a quite a bit in week two of the preseason. It seems like most of the news coming out of Denver right now tends to lean slightly towards Drew Locke. Hopefully he's taking a step forward. He's certainly got the weapons. The offensive line should be good enough for him to make an impact. And in Superflex, these guys have to be considered at some point. Well, he's he's no Locke to be a quarterback, too. No pun intended <laughs> horrible, there. Horrible, horrible. Uh, uh, I, I really didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll add him to the roster in the middle of the second round. Uh, I, again, I'm glad you took the quarterback because he was certainly on, on my short list, but I certainly didn't want to. And I'll take the receiver I wanted to take uh, with my last pick, and that's Paris Campbell. We're lo- again, we're doing this draft uh, from a perspective of what they're going to do now and going forward. And, you know, uh, health is obviously the main concern with Campbell. We saw him come out in week one last season uh, and really put up, I think, had the most receiving yards of, and most targets of any uh, player in the Colts offense and then promptly got hurt in week two. So uh, I think that if he does, he can't stay healthy, he's going to have a break up ty- breakout type season no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Carson Wentz coming back healthy, and all the options behind him obviously are not not exciting. But Paris Campbell is going to operate in the short area, intermediate areas of the field, and I think probably even uh, uh, Jacob Eason, or if it, if it somehow is Sam Ellinger, I kind of doubt it, uh, will be able to get him the ball in that area of the field. So really, it's just all about health for Paris Campbell. Uh, that's what's holding him back from a breakout, I think. Yeah, he belongs in this area for sure. And a guy that I've been a big fan of since he came out of Ohio State, I think he has big time upside, but those injuries are piling up. Just like we talked about with Debo Samuel, you can't think about Paris Campbell now without thinking, oh, is he going to make it through the game? And that's unfortunate because he does have the speed. He should have the opportunity once again, but this is it. We got to take advantage of it right now. I think he belongs right in this area of the draft. Ryan, you're up at the 209. Yeah, I will take. Uh, I'll take another running back here. I'll go with Tony Pollard. Uh, actually, considered Pollard over Gaskin, and and uh, had had to go with the, the the guy we know that's the starter right now. But it, it does make me think. We 
we target guys like Tony Pollard and and call them high high upside backups. And if Zeke were to get injured, he'd be great. But at the same time, we we have the conversation that Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery are are too far into their career to to gain value, or, and and we're not excited about those guys. So it, it almost feels like just because uh, Pollard is a backup, maybe maybe we're kind of doing the same thing with Daryl Henderson. Uh, just because Pollard is a backup, we treat him as this unknown, this uh, you know, this lottery ticket, and value him over assets that can actually help us win games right now. Yeah, it's interesting though because Pollard, we're, we're talking about he's the running back thirty-seven in DLF ADP right now today. So the investment is obviously way less than those other guys. It is it is intriguing though because. He's another 24-year-old guy, and he's going to be 26 when he comes off that rookie contract. Are we really going to get that excited about him? But I think I think we saw enough. I would say we saw enough from him last year when, when Zeke was banged up and he got his opportunity be, be with, with really a, a struggling team late in the season. He did enough with that opportunity for us to keep him high on that, that handcuff list, that, that list of backups that we want on our roster just in case. I'm I I totally am in support of that pick. He fits right in with my pick at the 210 here. I'll take Alexander Madison. The difference between Pollard and Madison is is Madison's got a couple of those opportunities where where you look at the redraft rankings or the weekly rankings because Dalvin Cook is out and he's up there at six or eight for that week and he kind of lays an egg and, and he ends the week with six point eight fantasy points and you say what the heck he's supposed to be this elite backup so he doesn't have the same kind of of uh, track record, I guess, when he gets his opportunity, but he's still valued the same as a guy like Pollard who did a little bit more with his opportunities. They're both considered some of the elite backups in the league. Matt, how about your pick at the 211? Yeah, and I I definitely had those guys in consideration, both of those backup running backs, but I just couldn't, I just can't pull the trigger over guys that are, like you said, are going to help us in our starting lineups now. And for me, this next guy is kind of the epitome of that. And I, I don't necessarily think he's valued ahead of those running backs in dynasty circles yet. But Jacoby Myers, I think, is going to lead the Patriots in uh, in receptions, targets, all of those stats in in 2021. You know, out, maybe outside of the tight ends, if they become uh, more of a more involved in the passing offense, John o. Smith, I certainly like uh and hunter henry is is great too but myers to me is clearly the, the number one target in terms of the wide receivers on uh, on that team so it's just is he going to get the volume to to do that and last season uh, and in a, a season where we saw cam newton put up just abysmal passing numbers he did have 81 targets uh and i could see that going up to the to, to the to the triple digits uh with a full season from myers in 2021 uh, only started nine out of the 14 games he played in last season i think that's awesome obviously going to change. So we're going to see more volume just by uh, him being on the field more often. So uh, now that now that Edelman's out of the way, uh, we'll see another receiver from this team that they took from this class, uh, maybe go off in the, in the third round, potentially, I don't know. Uh, but Myers to me is the clear target uh, for that offense uh, for me in 2021. So uh, he seems like an easy late second round pick here. Yeah, he's the, he's the easy one for sure. Ryan, I've had, I, I wrote these guys all in order one through 23, and they're all gone. So who's going to be the last pick in the second round? Exactly. <laughs> Tear break. Exactly the same thing. My my top twenty three are all gone with our first twenty three picks. I'm I'm mad at Matt. I thought <laughs> I would get Jacoby Myers at twenty four. 
not only did I get sniped, but now I have to take Devin Singletary, who uh, Ouch. just just it it doesn't feel good. Yeah, that I, I you know, man, that was the worst pick of the draft so far. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> it, it was clearly the worst player. <laughs> All right, guys, we are we only got a few minutes left. Uh, let's recap round two real quickly. It went Daniel Jones, Mecole Hardman, Irv Smith Jr., Damian Harris, Marquise Hollywood Brown, then Miles Gaskin, Drew Locke, Paris Campbell, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Jacoby Myers, and Devin Singletary. Do you want to do a rapid fire round three, or, or does it matter? I think we should, but if you don't want to, we don't have to. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Um, I guess I, uh, I'll i kick things off. I will take wide receiver Darius Slayton from the Giants. That that feels gross. Oh, wow. Uh, Matt, who do you have? Yeah, I'll go back to wide receiver again, and I'll take Preston Williams. Uh, you know, injury again is, is his <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah, we – we don't have much to say about any of these guys. It's it's kind of ugly here in round three. I will take Gardner Minshew and hope he gets traded and, and find some value. Yeah, he was the next guy on my list. I would have certainly gone with Minshew next. I, I think I'll take – I'll go with Ty Johnson from sure. the Jets. Maybe he gets a shot this year and, and makes the most of it and you get a couple weeks' worth of flex-type production this season. Matt? Yeah, I will. uh, You know what? I'm just going to do it because I want to talk about him. Nikhil Harry, who was the wide receiver one in this class uh, in 2019, certainly has fallen off. But, you know, I think we've seen a little bit from him this preseason. Hopefully he can do something. But I think we're probably going to have to wait for a second team if he is actually going to break out. It's crazy, guys, because Nikhil Harry had an ADP of three in this rookie class. And his current teammate, who went earlier, Jacoby Myers, was a rookie in this class as well. Didn't get drafted in any MFL rookie drafts <laughs> that year. He didn't even register on the tool, so and, and he went higher. That's that's crazy. Um, wow, uh, we've reached uh, some some new low points here. This is bad. Uh, I will go with Jalen Hurd. Uh, had some surprising draft capital back in 2019 for the 49ers, uh, and it's just been. Uh, injuries that have ended both of his seasons before he's gotten on the field at all. So Yeah, I had him up there on my list. I like that pick. I, I think there's still a, a sliver of value there. Last spot on your roster type of guy in a deep league. I'll take... I'll take a guy that I can't quit. I'm going to take Jay Sternberger. I've heard all the rumblings that maybe... Maybe he could potentially get cut and all those things. I think the fact that he is suspended for the first two games, that might save his his career. He he can go on that suspended list, wait a couple weeks, maybe there's an injury and he holds on. I he still has has like down the seam type upside. I I can't quit Jason. Wow, I have three tight ends ahead of him <laughs> on my <laughs> list, so uh, I guess I'm up, so I, I'm not going to take one of those guys, but I'm going to go back to wide receiver. Uh, showed a little bit last season, probably the wide receiver three this season, and there's enough volume in the Atlanta offense that Olamide Zacchaeus could uh, be productive for fantasy teams in 2021. All right. I will go with uh, – I'll go with uh, Donald Parham here. Uh, yep. Chargers tight end. Uh Definitely had some hype. Jared Cook kind of hurt that a little bit when he uh, moved over and, and landed with the Chargers. But, uh, again, a younger guy. We know it takes tight ends a while to to break out, obviously undrafted, and uh, impressed a little bit in, uh, I believe it was the XFL. 
I'm going to take another tight end here at the 310. Ugh. I'll take Foster Moreau, uh, the Raiders' backup tight end. He is buried behind one of the best tight ends in the game, and we don't get to see it, but the, the, the slivers of chances, those two tight end sets, he's caught some touchdowns, made some impressive catches. He might be – he's probably the best fantasy uh, fantasy tight end that's a backup on a team in the league, not considering the the – the teams with two two real good tight ends. He's a true backup, but he he's good and he has upside if he ever has the job to. Yeah, I agree with you. And he was going to be my, my my pick here. I saw I forget who it was really? that said it. Yeah, he was. <laughs> uh, and uh, somebody on Twitter, I forget, sorry, who it was, said that he's the only true uh, tight end handcuff in fantasy football. And I that, that kind of rang true with me. And you're right, Dan. He's that he's really sense. impressive. Uh, if he ever gets an opportunity, I think he could be, you know, maybe not a tight end one, but you know, a fringe tight end one uh, in terms of production. Ryan, real quick, why why were you surprised about? us both agreeing on Foster Murrell. I don't know. He was just off my radar. Um, I know he okay. had a, had a pretty bad knee injury last year as well, but yeah. Okay. All right, Matt, you got, one yeah, I do one. feel like the tight end that should have gone ahead of par Emma Moreau is still on the board. Dawson Knox, uh, you know, ath- yeah. all athletic athletic is all get out. <laughs> Uh, but it hasn't really materialized on the field. I think, kind of think Jacob Hollister is going to emerge there as the most productive one. Mm. But if Dawson Knox does hit, uh, he's in a good offense uh, and surrounded by a good quarterback and other, other pass-catching offense. Yeah, he's just like the fifth option <laughs> in that offense. So, But there's no good wide you know, receiver, Not that too. Sternberger is ahead of five in his offense. But, uh, Ryan. Let's uh, let's finish things up with the 36 pick. Yeah, Matt got me again. Dawson Knox was going to be my guy there. Instead, I'll go with uh, Travis Fulgham, uh, of course, Eagles okay. wide receiver. We saw saw a little bit of a breakout uh, last year, and, and since then, of course, the Eagles have added even more competition. So not high hopes, but I do think he's at least still worth a roster spot. Couple overlooked guys in this exercise. Quadre Olison is could be one injury away from getting an opportunity in twenty twenty one down there in Atlanta. Miles um, Boykin went undrafted in this thing. He's pretty much buried up there in Baltimore as well. Andy Isabella is an interesting one. Man, I really liked him coming out of a small school and and going to be a slot down there in Arizona. It has not worked out. Hopefully, he gets a new opportunity somewhere and takes advantage of it. Uh, also, Hunter Renfro might be a name that people are familiar with, and then Benny Snell. Uh, those are the last guys on my list, fellas. Is there anybody else worth mentioning? I, I don't. Yes, okay. I have a well. couple. I have a couple. Maybe you said it. I, I checked out there for a second, but uh, Quadri Allison. Did you say him? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Quad- <laughs> Travion Williams still holding out a little bit of hope for maybe uh, Deont- Deontay right. Harris, uh, Hunter Renfro. Right. Uh, I just think it's interesting. You talked about it, Isabella a little bit. Uh, J.J. Arthago-Whiteside, another guy who was a first-rounder. Sure. Uh, back. Yeah, then. I couldn't put him on my list, man. <laughs> yeah, like, no, he, not, he wasn't going to make the top 40 in this. No, it was not on my list either. But, um, you know, I do think it's always interesting and, and worthwhile to look back at, at, at those players that were misses. Even if they weren't your misses, if you weren't in on them, they were the, – guys like that were – uh, late first, early second rounders, uh, both sometimes in the NFL draft or in rookie drafts, and and clearly were misses. So it, uh, I think we can always learn from from situations like that. 
Yeah, the guy for me out of that class that I didn't mention in round three, I loved picking up Justice Hill. Mm-hmm. It felt like a, a good place. Of course, that was before they uh, they moved on from um, uh, Ingram, and you know they they you know made other investments at the position since then. Of course, Hill was supposed to be the primary backup, and it just didn't work out. Um, I still got a sliver of hope for Justice Hill, but he comes in at about 44 in this class right now. Uh, that was fun, guys. We got to talk about a lot of names. We mentioned the the ups and you know the ups like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and and Terry McLaurin, and then of course all the downs like Nikhil Harry and some others as well. We're gonna do the same thing for the 2020 class next year before making some predictions the week after that, and then we get to talk real NFL football real fantasy uh results so for matt and ryan i'm dan thanks for listening to this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we'll catch you again next week